Hello and welcome to Pav's Table Talk. I'm here, Chris, and then we have Pav in here. That's right. We're two Bachelor of Science students, and today what we're going to talk to you about is some fit principles of exercise training. Uh, Pav, before we get into something, I wanted to share a little bit of a little bit of a story from my placement today. All right, Matt, go ahead. Uh, one of the things I thought was pretty interesting, uh, you know Parkinson's disease, right? All right. Yeah, so it's a disease that affects the brain and the part of the brain that helps initiate movement. And we had this patient come in, and they were just diagnosed with Parkinson's several months ago. And an interesting comment that she made is how, you know, you hear about exercise and what you're supposed to do and how it's supposed to help you make you feel better. Like, you go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, oh, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. If you do this, you won't get sick. And one of the things she noticed is when she got the onset of Parkinson's, is her mobility and her ability to move around and ambulate, like walking, has gone way down. Okay. And then, of course, she goes to see physio, and then she starts moving more, and she starts getting better, and she starts being able to, like, roll over in bed, and she can stand by herself, and she can walk. And she's like, wow, never did I thought that exercise can actually help with diseases in the brain, because how your brain and your body are all one unit and your brain controls your movement and how exercise actually helps to stimulate better function. So I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, she came to that like realization on her own. I just wanted to ask you, when you think of exercise path, what's the kind of the, uh, what's the person that you see? Like when I say, Oh, uh, someone that goes to the gym all the time or exercise a lot, what's the image of, of like say a male, let's say an image, like describe to me the person you see. For myself, or yeah, like when you see someone, I say, "What's so? What does someone look like that exercises a lot?" Well, I mean, just be, from my experience, someone exercises a lot. Generally, I think is a theme that they're more muscular, they're shredded, they're bigger, you know. And then I think with that, like you see them lift weights, and you just assume it translates over to their athletic ability. Um, but I mean, just come from my knowledge, I've always thought, you know, that guy that's bigger in the gym, he's probably faster, stronger, and more athletic than I am. And, um, but I mean, who knows if they are now, but that's my view is just somebody just bigger, stronger, and more shredded. Yeah. And Pav, I think you're on pace with most of society and that they would agree that if they would assume that someone that exercises more is more muscular, has more muscle tone, like six packs, big arms, and they immediately associate that with just being having better fitness all around. But I challenge everyone listening right now to pause and go to Google and type in fitness on Google and hit images and you'll see that everybody on there is just people in the gym who are really toned and muscular. But Pav, do you really think that means that they're, they're the most fit people out there, just these really gym aesthetic people? Uh, uh, definitely not because when you look at some athletes, they don't have bodies like that. But look at them, look at how they perform, man. It's crazy. Yeah, can you think of any athletes that don't have those idealistic gym bodies? Well, I mean, look at your NBA centers. Those guys are fit, and they they do full games. Like Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you like an average person would look at that and just think that's an average just guy, right? Mm -hmm. He's a little bit taller than average. But, man, those the, I don't know how it is, like the de detail and stuff, but I'm sure those guys could run miles on end yeah exactly and i think a large part of how exercise incorporates into function even for patients with neurodegenerative diseases and for athletes who are playing sports and whatnot is that exercise goes beyond just looking good and it actually goes way beyond that 
And one of the things I wanted to talk to you, everyone about today is this idea of fit principles and how there's essentially four different kinds of strength training styles that you can do in the gym at least. And uh, these training styles are for strength, endurance, hypertrophy, so hypertrophy being uh, muscular size, and power. Have you heard of those ones before? Pat? I've heard of them. Uh, let's start off with uh, strength, you said, right? Yeah, strength. All right, we'll get into strength first. So, Pat, when you think of strength, what's the first thing that kind of comes to your mind? Thor. Thor, <laughs> yeah. Bjornsson. That guy's massive. When I saw him deadlift, like a thousand something pounds every time. So, yeah. when I think strength, I think someone that's massive. You're not going to lie. When you said Thor, I thought of like Thor the Avenger. From the Marvel. Yeah, I just thought of him flipping his <laughs> hammer around. <laughs> right. Yeah, but Thor Bjornsson, that's one big moment. All right, yeah, I have a question. So, like, are power lifters, are they strength trainers? Is that different? Okay, so we'll 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 come revisit this question okay, okay, when we talk about power. Okay. So you're saying that so big big big. My idea of someone that does strength training is someone that's big and muscular. Yeah. And I think you're not too far off in that strength has a lot to do with the absolute amount of weight you can lift. Mm -hmm. So if I could go out and I can only lift like a hundred pound block. And then you could go out and lift like a 200-pound block. Like right. Your strength is greater. Okay. Right? Strength doesn't incorporate anything other than the absolute amount that can be lifted. Now, in order to lift more weight, you need to generally have more muscle mass. For sure. Right? But it doesn't necessarily mean you need more cardiovascular fitness. and doesn't necessarily mean you need a little body fat percentage. Right. Right? You can have someone with a higher BMI but be incredibly strong just because they got that muscle mass beneath it all. Right, and you don't need to have to be able to run like ten miles without taking a break because all you have to do is lift a heavy object. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right, kind of get where I'm coming from. I get where you're coming from, right? Yeah. So to train for strength, what you want to kind of focus on is you want to do about like four sets in the gym, and you're aiming for three to five reps. I right, got cut you off for a sec. Yeah. Um, so when strength training, what type of body should people be aimed at? It's going to definitely vary between person to person, but you're definitely going to lean towards... Uh, like, could you give an example of somebody that does strength training and is very strong? Yeah, I will try to avoid the use of this word, but um, like you said, how Thor Bjornsson, so those like those kind of big right. athletes, like those strong men, uh -huh. those guys, the strong men are strength trainers. Okay. Right, they focus on just absolute amount. So you have more of a stocky build, not as defined, but they're more more muscular and uh, like size. So people wanting to go for strength training would expect to have a body more like those guys. Uh, you can't make that assumption for everybody, okay. just because of everyone's metabolism and diet. It plays a huge part into it too, right? Okay, diet is going to play a major key into how someone has carries their body fat percentage. But generally, you're going to have a more stocky uh, increase in muscle. You will. Um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, anyways, go in. What's it you're saying about the sets and the reps? Yeah, so if you want to train strength and you want to increase the absolute amount of weight you want to carry or lift, you want to be going for about four sets, three to five reps. That's the best way to go about and that. And how many times a week are we talking? Uh, generally, you'd alternate, like do one, like say you're doing bench press, you do bench press once a week. Bench press once a week? Yeah, once and, a week would be the I mean, most safe thing. Allow a week for recovery. Okay, so essentially say I bench once a week. Yeah. Um, is that the most optimal way to build my strength for a bench? No. There's going to be more key factors that come into play that we're going to touch on. Okay. There's such things as progressive overloading. Right. Which is going to be a major part. 
and another major thing is going to be your adequate recovery time. Is, uh, I yeah. remember we were talking about this a while back. It was the whole Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, muscle shock. Yeah. Is that progressive overload or is that a little bit What different? do you define muscle shock? Or so you, you said just you keep going till till failure essentially. Yeah. And you just put your muscles in shock and it's supposed to be you know great for building. Right. Now what's, ha- what's happening there is you're – so your muscles basically have a, a limit, like a threshold of the amount of energy they can do. Okay. Right? So if you keep, say you're doing a bicep curl, or we'll keep with a bench press. So you're doing bench press. Okay. And say you get to 12 reps and you're starting to get a little fatigue, like you can feel the burning come in. Right? Then you keep going, you do a couple more, you get to 15 reps and you're at absolute failure. Right. So your muscle has depleted all of its energy. So there's going to be a larger stimulus for the body to want to increase uh, recovery in that muscle for sure so there's going to be a more micro tearing and in order to do recover it's going to have to repair that tearing and it's also going to increase the size okay right because when you look at the end of the day exercise is just micro tearing of muscles re like rebuilding it and then increasing size strength and density to improve function because okay. if i were to continually do that your body is wanting to adapt for the same encounter and if it's not adequate enough to so basically your body doesn't know the difference between survival and exercise, right? So when you train it on bench press, uh-huh. it doesn't know whether it's fighting for its life or lifting a weight. Your body doesn't. Your muscles don't know the okay. difference, okay. right? So it's going always trying to prepare and increase for the next encounter. So if it reaches muscular failure, it reaches a point where it doesn't think it can survive another encounter. Therefore, right. the stimulus is to increase size to make sure it can do more than oh, the previous. Got you. Okay. Right? So it's always right. trying to build up off it. Uh-huh. All right. So going back to the, the strength, that's one aspect of okay. training. Sure. Right? So which one do you want to go for next? Um let's do hypertrophy. Alright, this one's a good one to go through. So hypertrophy is an increase of muscle size. Generally people think this goes hand in hand in strength, thinking that if they have larger muscles they're automatically going to be able to lift, lift more, more no definitely yeah however there's a difference with my hypertrophy is it's the idea of stimulus we we're just talking about and uh-huh. going to fatigue that's really triggering the muscles to grow larger okay right? okay but by growing larger it doesn't mean that the fibers like your microfilaments like your myosin and actin and all those little components that actually make up a muscle doesn't mean their tensile strength is better Okay. Right? So you're just lifting more, increasing more size. You're not necessarily making these fibers stronger. So somebody could, you're saying they could essentially, they could look big, but they might not actually be as strong as you think they are? Correct. And you can have someone not look big, be kind of small, but be stronger. Okay. So you know these people that do this aesthetic modeling, are these examples of people that have been doing hypertrophy training? Um, those people would have to do hypertrophy training to get the muscles as bulky as they are. As they are. But they also have to incorporate other types of training and dieting to get to a, that's, those aesthetic looks. Okay, and what's an example we could use for people that have, like, who's somebody you know that's famous that's done if hypertrophy training? If you look at Steve, training? so if you Google Steve Cook, he's a great example of someone that is a, a fitness model. Uh-huh. And I've done his workout plans, and they're all based on hypertrophy. That's right. So one of his big things is supersets. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's the giant set he calls it. Yeah. Of four different exercises grouped together, and you're doing those kinds of workouts to really fatigue the muscles and just promote muscle growth. 
And will you get stronger with more muscle? Of course. I'm not saying you're not going to get stronger. Uh-huh. But what's really happening is you're just getting that super, like that large increase of muscle mass. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, so what benefits does – or let's just say what are the drawbacks of hypertrophy training? Are there any? There is, there is drawbacks. So one of the things is if you're doing an event, say you're a long-distance runner or you like play soccer – or you're doing something that requires a lot of energy. Okay. If the more muscle mass you have, the more energy it takes to move it. Right? right. So imagine, you know, let's say you're 200 pounds of like thick muscle. Okay. And then you have another person who's 150 pounds of like mean mass. And you try and get them to like to run a mile. Which one do you think is going to burn the most energy? The 200 pounder. Yeah. Right? Because he's just so much larger. It takes right. more energy to move all that mass. So it's not as efficient. Okay. But if you have lean, so yeah, the, the drawback to hypertrophy is if you're trying to be a functional athlete, you have to be considerate of how much extra muscle mass you have. Like, is it necessary for me to have a 44 inch chest? Right? right. Or does my sport not require that? Exactly. Right? I, I guess it's more for athletes, right? Because I mean, I know me, just an average Joe. Yeah. I mean, if I if you tell me, oh, bigger muscles look better, yeah. I, I'd probably just want to do hypertrophy training for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. If that's something that you want to do, just to get bigger muscles, there's nothing wrong with it's that. It's just right? for looks. Yeah, if you're doing it for looks or aesthetics, there's nothing wrong. You're still going to get great health benefits uh-huh. overall from any kind of training. It's a win-win. Yeah, it is a win-win. So if you're looking to train for hypertrophy and build muscle size, you're really looking to get that fatigue. So you're going to try and go for four to five sets, and you're looking to aim for around 12 reps. Right. I guess it depends on the body part, because I'm sure if you do something like legs, you can even go up to like 20 to 25 reps, right? Well, we're going to talk about that next on endurance, because anything more than that, you're actually training for endurance. you got to be a little bit careful on how you go. So you got to look at hypertrophy. Also, so one thing I forgot to mention is the weight also plays a factor. So we'll, the weight of the person, the weight of the of the the weight of the weight, the mass of the weight. The mass. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the weights you're using plays a factor. So if you're going too light and you're doing 20 reps, then you're just training endurance. For sure. So we'll jump. To, we'll just keep on pace with hypertrophy here. So if you're doing four to five sets of 12 reps, your goal is to do 80 percent of your one rep max. Okay, right? and if, so you, do, if you, can, you do anything above? And if you do anything above, you likely won't be able to do 12 reps. Okay, because generally, sure. generally the rule of – yeah, right. like if you think of 100% of your one rep max, right. you can't do oh, it. Oh, so 80% means 80% of your one rep max for 12. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you. So if you can bench 100 pounds, right. 80% will be 80, Right. and you're doing that for 12. For strength training, we'll just jump back to strength for a second. Okay. You want to be doing – 80 to 100 percent of your one run rep max. So you're aiming for, like I said, one to five reps. I guess. Would you get more benefits from doing 100 percent on your one rep max all the time versus 80 percent on your one rep max? Depends what you're looking for, right? I'm looking for strength to build muscle. So if you're looking for strength to build muscle, if you're doing 100 percent of your one rep max for one rep, right. That's more beneficial than 80 percent for is. one rep. For one rep, that's right. Right. So if you're only doing one rep, you need to do the most amount of weight. But I mean, essentially both ways, you will be building your strength. Exactly. Right? So say you're doing 80%, you can probably do it five times. Uh-huh. But if you're doing 100%, you can do it once. Gotcha. And then for hypertrophy, you're aiming for 80%, 12 reps, four to five sets. 
Right. So you were saying about 20 reps. That's what you're doing for endurance. That's endurance. Yeah. Okay. And these are like your soccer athletes essentially, right? Yeah. These are your cyclists, your soccer athletes, your swimmers. Would you classify basketball athletes as endurance? They definitely have an endurance component. That's for sure. We're going to have to do another podcast where we talk about energy systems. Because right. that's going to be a whole other tangent. Okay. Of like aerobic, anaerobic. And I'm sure, but you know, like an athlete... In general, let's just let's take that basketball athlete. They do, I'm sure they do mixes of all these types of training, essentially, right? Yes, they have to. Because if you look at a basketball athlete, think about let's let's take a center, center position. Let's right? do Joel Embiid again. All right, we'll use Joel Embiid. For those of you who don't know Joel Embiid, he's this big monster on the Philadelphia 76ers. He's also featured on Little Dicky's new song about saving Earth. You guys should check it out. Okay, yo, we're not getting paid for that. <laughs> <Okay>. show, <right>? <laughs> just <laughs> FYI. All right, so you take Joel Embiid, a big center position, and think about when they get the ball in the post, the amount of strength they need to push against a defender, right? Uh-huh. So to move someone defending you, like pushing on you, that's strength, right? For sure. Running up and down the court, that's endurance, right? Okay. Yeah, to jump and grab a rebound, that's power. Right, but your sprinting aspect would be what? Power. Power? Yeah. Okay. But the endur- like the longevity of your running, like how long you run for, that's your endurance. Too. Right. Yeah. But sprinting, uh, those bursts of speed, yeah, jumping, that's power. Got you. Strength. Right. And then, of course, you know, they want to increase their muscle size, so they're doing hypertrophy. Got you. So okay. These athletes are well-rounded. Right. And would you say most sports are like that? I mean, obviously, they have their specificities, but I would say, do a lot of them incorporate would, the all types of training? I would say a lot of team sports incorporate... Very the varied aspects of training. Okay. But specific sports, like if you look at marathon, like triathletes right. and marathon runners, they're you definitely be endurance only, right? Yeah, you're looking if you're looking at a marathon runner trying to run a marathon two hours, these guys and women Cause, are cause just it, training. Because I know they have to like drop all their muscle mass, and they just they're just yeah. really skinny, and they just run for yeah, for which days. is which is really interesting because if you look at the world record holder for the one mile run. For the one what? Well, one mile run. Okay. Right. This guy, if you go on the treadmill and you put the speed all the way to 15 and you run that for four minutes or uh-huh. for, for, yeah, for one mile and I think he did it in four minutes, but if you run that for one mile at max speed on the treadmill, you're still going slower than his pace. Jeez. Yeah. He ran above that speed for the whole time. And if you were to look at him... He just appears to be this skinny average guy. Right. And you would see him in the gym. You're like, you know what? He actually looks almost anorexic and looks like he needs to put on muscle. Right, right. But his muscle is just so lean and it's so well uh, designed for endurance. He has one of the best like cardiovascular, muscular endurance ever to exist. Right. So for those like that are just specified on like endurance training, they're probably like like the pure endurance athletes, they're probably not very strong, hey? Uh, well, well, let's let's actually dive into that. So, okay. if you take a person, let's take the same cookie cutter person. Okay. If you have one train strength and then one train endurance, and then you make them run a mile, obviously the person that trains endurance will perform better on the mile. Yeah, yeah for sure. But that's not to say that the strength athlete couldn't run a mile, uh-huh. right? They could likely just go do it. Anyone can probably push themselves to go do it. To do a mile, but yeah. But whether they can compete at the high level is they probably cannot compete at that high level as the someone who trained endurance. Right, but if you put those same people in a 100-meter race, I'm sure that strength athlete would have a good chance, maybe better than the endurance athlete, right? Well, then that's what you don't know. 
it would be interesting to see because 100 meter race is power related right right and that person's just used to lifting up heavy weights all day sure they might be able to have more muscle mass but it's not easy to say that their muscles trained for power just imagine just sticking their chest forward and letting the weight carry them <laughs> yeah but then <laughs> likewise if you have the endurance athlete trying to lift a heavy weight there's no way that they will lift as much no weight strength um, but would you say like nowadays for your average person where people are like they're aiming for a more strength aspect than an endurance aspect well that's what i was trying to talk about in the very beginning when i told everyone to look at google right. and go on and type in fitness uh-huh. like think of instagram when you're scrolling through instagram right. what do you see fitness models all the, right. time. all the time what are they they all have big asses shredded abs big arms and chest uh-huh. right and everyone is associated associating that type of fitness with what they want and what they need okay and that's kind of training requires like hypertrophy and strength training and like incredibly strict diets to get that lean body fat gotcha but what I'm trying to explain to everyone out here is that there's different training styles with different benefits. And exercise goes beyond just looking good. It also goes with like feeling good and with your mental health and other diseases. So going back to endurance for a second, if you want to train endurance, you're looking at two to four sets. You're looking at more than 15 reps, so anything more than 15 reps. And you're looking to go for about 60% of your one rep max. So if you're benching and you want to get endurance in your chest, do two sets of 20 reps and 60% of 100 or whatever your weight is, and then you're training endurance. Okay, that's interesting. You said endurance in your chest. Uh, does that mean training your chest? Like say we do bench for endurance. Yeah. Does that not change all your muscle fibers a little bit to be more for endurance base? Like your all your body systems? Like say, for example... Like we just said there is you do your chest for endurance, but I say I want to do my squats for just strength training. Like, are they just completely separate systems or do they work with each other? So you have to understand that specific muscles are required for each movement. Okay. So when I'm doing, say we're doing chest for endurance, like I'm doing the bench press for endurance training. Right. The triceps and your, like your pecs. They're all involved. They're involved. And they're going to get um, they're going to get adaptive changes to be endurance related. So they're going to have type one muscle fibers, That's which right. are slow twitch, and they're going to have an increase of mitochondria, right? Right. That's not global. That's not going to go to all your other muscle systems. Okay. What can happen is if you're training endurance, say maybe you're doing enough endurance that your heart is learning to have a greater stroke volume. Mm-hmm. So any cardiovascular benefits or changes is global. But if you're looking at just the muscle, just because you train power or strength or endurance or hypertrophy at one muscle group doesn't mean you're going to get that in another muscle group. Think about these people who are not training legs or they're limited to wheelchairs or whatever, Uh and they can still train upper body. They don't get the same benefits. Right, right. right? Good, yeah. Yeah, so that's a really rudimentary way of explaining that. So if you want to train endurance and muscle group and then strength and power in another one, you totally can. Gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Okay. And so the last one we were talking about is power. So power. this one is the most unique of all of them because what did you think power was? The power what kind of events or sports? Power lifting. All right. That's really interesting you said that because power lifting is actually not power related. It's more strength related? Yeah, it's strength related. And right. do you have any idea why? No. 
Okay, because power requires a component of velocity or speed. So in Jeez, order... like physics? <laughs> yeah, physics. I just physics power equals whatever we used to learn. Physics, <laughs> physics is involved, but not the physics we're thinking of. Right. Power just means it's how fast you can lift a weight. Okay. Right? Say you can lift 100 pounds, and then I can lift 100 pounds, but you can lift it faster. Right? It means we you're both, more powerful, right? It means you're more powerful. But we both lift 100 pounds, right. so we're just as strong. Right. Does that kind of make sense? I get what you're saying, but I think the whole power thing is I'm doing it in a quick amount of time, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because you lifted it faster than I did, so you right. have more power. Got you. So in order to train power, you need to focus on lifting weights quickly or doing events that are uh, that require speed. So do you think you could jump just as high as you or as you like say your max vertical jump could you do your max jump if you did it slowly no way yeah you need to load and you need to accelerate fast through it who's an example of a perfect power athlete that comes to your head uh well the first one that comes to my mind is usain bolt oh yeah you can't forget about him yeah one of the most like one of the fastest people like just totally has incredible power right yeah and is he is he like you said type two is the fast switch one right yeah, type would two. Would you say X that like most problem. of his muscles are just type two fibers? Yeah, I would say most of his muscles are type two, um, A and B, like mostly B fibers or type X. Is what they're so, calling but it. what separates him from other power athletes? Is he just genetically born more type two fibers to train, or well, how does that work? So you're actually you can, right? Okay. Like depending on where you're born, like a lot of like people born in Africa have more type two muscle fibers. That's they do. Just, that's just genetic fact. Okay. Um, you can also convert muscle fibers. You can convert them. Yeah, they can go from slow to fast twitch. So they can change. Oh, okay. But it takes a lot of time. It does. Okay. So taking an endurance athlete with mostly type 1 muscle fibers, it's going to take a lot of time to go to type 2. So time is relative. Um, what do you mean by time? Like, are we talking months? It depends on training stimulus, depends on like their frequency. Uh, depends on their age. There's a whole list of factors right. that change it. But it could be as fast as and as long as muscle changes happen after a month. Okay. But that doesn't mean it's, it's going to be happen. for every single fiber. No, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So power lifters are actually strength lifters because they're not focused on how fast they lift the weight. They're it's focused how, on how heavy it is. How heavy it is. Right. Exactly. And that's not just disgracing the sport. I'm just saying it's just a, a flip in the name. Just the, the name. Yeah, the name's a little bit off there. Got you. But your power athletes, like, like say, like a shot putter. Like, right. you know, they're not lifting the heaviest, like, concrete ball. Mm -hmm. But they're exploding and trying to throw it as far as they can, which is a power sport. Your high jumpers, your long jumpers, uh -huh. like your sprinters. Right. These are all power athletes. It's incredible burst in a short amount of time. So if you want to train for power, you're looking at doing four sets. You're looking at going for about, uh, I would say, six to eight reps, but you're only doing around 50 to 60% of your one rep max. 50. So actually a lot less than what you would imagine. Right. And But what's the difference in the way you do these reps? The way you do these reps is you're looking for speed. Right. Right? So if you're, we're sticking with the bench press example. So if you're doing a bench press, it's almost as if you're doing... Uh, two seconds down and you're going for less or like a second explode up. So you come down slow and then you explode up? And you explode up. Yeah, you're focusing on that explosion up. Right. So like a regular down and then an explode up. Okay. 
And um, so what if you just do reps up and down fast? Is that going to have any effect? No, there's, um, there's more of a safety concern with the eccentric phase. Right. So you don't want to be pulling the weight down fast. You okay. want to be loading your muscles properly and then ex- exploding concentrically. Do you ever see those videos on YouTube of people doing the weirdest shit like that? Like uh, The crossfitters? The crossfitters and... Yeah, and some of it is crazy, man. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I don't if whatever. Get started about those guys. Okay, but yeah, I know what you mean when they're just like jerking, doing jerky movements. Yeah, yeah, those no. jerky movements—they always throw me off. <laughs> yeah. So just to define a few terms, eccentric means when you're going back into resting position or lengthening the muscle, and then concentric is when the muscles are contracting. So essentially. When doing a bicep curl, during the curls you're concentric. Yeah. And going back out to a straight arm is your eccentric. Exactly. You nailed it. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that we really need to focus on is this concept of progressive overload. Okay. Because there's no such thing as exercising if you don't have that concept. So what what is progressive overload? It's the idea of you getting to the point after every workout when you increase the stimulus or you increase the weight or the speed or the repetitions to promote change. Like think about it. If you go to the gym and you're just bench pressing 100 pounds every time, do you think you're going to get better? Probably not. Exactly. You're going to reach a plateau. You're going to get to the point where your muscles have achieved the right amount of like, I only need this much muscle mass to bench press 100 pounds 12 times for four sets. I got you. So if you did that for a month, you would have no change because your muscles are what it needs to be. Exactly. This concept of progressive overloading is you need to constantly either increase the weight or increase the reps. Okay. So if you want to continually get change, one of those two things need to need to increase. Okay. So now if you increase the reps versus the weight, yeah, that's more or less a different aspect of training now, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's why you gotta be careful of which one you want to increase. Right. So we got to a point where we're doing hypertrophy on bench and we're benching 12 reps at 100 pounds. Sure. And we want to increase the reps and we go to 15. Uh-huh. And then we're get, our endurance is getting better. We can go to 16. And then after another month, we can go all the way to 20. But now we're just doing bench for endurance. Okay. So now we say we want to go back to training strength. Maybe we'll increase the weight and we'll go to a, a plate. So we'll bench 135. But now you can only bench it for six reps. Uh-huh. So now your goal is to get that back up to 12. So then you prog- you're progressively overloading because the first week you'll do 135 for six reps. Maybe the next week you do 135 for seven reps and you do 135 for eight and then you're slowly building up the repetitions. Mm-hmm. And that's what that overload concept is. You can't have improvement in exercise if you do not either increase the weight of the reps. Got you. Yeah, and that's what happens is people... They aren't tracking their weights or they aren't tracking their workouts and they're falling into routine and they're just maintaining and they're just like, oh yeah, I go in the gym and I bench 100 pounds and that's what I do and I do it for this many reps. Sure, you're still getting moving, right? Mm-hmm. It's better than not doing anything. Right. But then when they ask questions of why isn't anything changing, that's why. So the rule of thumb for progressive overload, it's called this two for two rule. So if you do two extra reps at the end of your workout, for two subsequent workouts, so say week one, you do two extra reps, and then week two, you do two more reps again, that means you need to to overload. You need to either increase the weight or sets. Right, okay. Yeah. So just that idea, that concept is really important to note. 
Um, so yeah, that's the fit principles. So you have your strength, you have your endurance, you have your power, and you have your hypertrophy, and you have this idea of um, progressive overload. Okay. Yeah, and building all this together, I, everyone I challenge to just decide what kind of person they want to be and what kind of aspect they want to improve on. Maybe it's a sport you want to get better at. What kind of training does it require? Maybe you do want to look better. That's totally fine then what do you have to do to do that? Maybe you're doing it for mental benefits or health benefits. Like what aspects you need to incorporate? For sure, man. Yeah, do you have any more questions, Pat? Um, I do actually have one. It's yeah. a little bit off topic, but it's what you mentioned at the very beginning about um, the patient with Parkinson's. Uh, you said that exercise was helping her. Yeah, that's um, correct. Would this be the case for all neurogenic degenerative like disorders such as that? Or... Yeah, so the studies and science shows exercise helps with the conditions or that are around neurodegenerative disease. And the problem is the brain in some way, shape, or form has become, for lack of a better terms, broken down or destroyed. Okay. And you have poor movement patterns. So these people are no longer able to recruit their muscles the way they used to. And when that happens is they have a lot of difficulty. So what you need to do is you need to rebuild those pathways. Okay. And to rebuild those pathways, you need to create stimulus through exercise. So just another way of like rehabilitation essentially? Exactly. It's another way of rehabilitation. You've got to help stimulate those neurons to increase the recovery process. But it has to be specific and goal-oriented. And you need to focus on functional tasks. But they also require overload as well. Because you once maybe someone like say for Parkinson's they can do a reach test and they can sit at the desk and they can get really good at reaching for a pen. Okay. But then if they keep doing that same thing, there's going to get a plateau. You need to increase always increase the difficulty. Wow, even then there would be a plateau, eh? Yeah, you got to always increase the difficulty of the task for them to continue to get changed. Uh huh. But are there not like conditions in which exercise would just have no effect? Yes, there is a condition I can think of off the top of my head. Um, it's called, uh, it's a congenitive di- di- uh, condition. Um, it's mostly affected in male children. It's called muscular dystrophy. And this disease, you're born with it as a child and mostly actually affects the male population. And these um, kids don't have a structural protein and they actually have less muscle mass and more fat tissue. And unfortunately, the disease is terminal, so they have a a short prognosis of life. It's usually around like age 20. And exercise helps them short term, but they actually have to be really careful because their muscles are not designed and they're not able to maintain exercise. Uh And they can increase muscle mass and strength as well as a normal person can. They still gain the same benefits, but it's on a much lesser scale. And it's really, really restricted because they, the respiratory muscles aren't, are also suffering. So they can't reach those same benefits like we can. I got you. Okay. And yeah. just to conclude, I do have one more question. Yeah. Um, what we didn't touch up on a little bit was, um, so how do you know when you're pushing yourself? Like, uh, cause you know, sometimes like right now I'm doing more power training and when I get towards the end there, my like say i'm doing shoulders my lactic acid starts to kick in right is it 
something? Do I push through that lactic acid burn, or as soon as I feel it, do I just call it quits? Well, what, okay. So you said lactic acid kicks in. So what are you feeling? Describe it's, it's like it's just like my my shoulders are on fire. Yeah. So they get that burning sensation. It's burning. Right. So when you get that burning sensation, you're actually working out your anaerob anaerobic energy system. So you are you are working hard. You're working at a, a good hard intensity. So there's no reason why you can't work through that. So but you, you're but saying it's healthy to feel that and keep going? I'm saying that you can work through that because you can increase your anaerobic capacity. Your threshold. Yeah, you can increase your threshold, right? It's all relative depending if it's healthy or not. But it increases function. So someone who is limited with range, like say they have a disease or they – um, something affecting them, I would not advise them to push through it. But if you have an athlete who's trying to increase their anaerobic energy, then I would okay. advise that. Right. But you can. So when you feel that burning, if you push through it, you're going to increase your threshold or increase your capacity. So by doing that more often, it'll get higher and higher. So it'll take longer and longer for you to get there. So it'll have benefits uh -huh. for you. Uh, so okay. that's going. That, so when you actually feel that burning, that's one sign that you're working out hard. Right, but uh, side side fact, I was at the gym like four or five days ago. Yeah, I was fatigued to begin with. I will point this out, and I was trying to do chest workouts. Yeah, but I couldn't do any weights like I used to do on my chest because as I was doing my incline um, bench, let's say, my lactic acid was kicking in on my shoulders. Right, and so that day at the gym was a it was a fail for my chest because I mean, most of the chest exercises they do involve a little bit of shoulder. Um, yeah. Like in activation and my lactic acid, I don't know why, but after three reps, no matter the weight, it just started to burn. Right. Is that normal for you to have that? No, that was a that was an anomaly. It was just a fluke. Okay, and, and were you feeling more fatigued that day? I would say I was. Yeah. yeah. Like did you have a good sleep the night before? No, this is when I had that nasty kink in my neck. Yeah. And even at work, I just was had my head down all day doing fucking papers and stuff. Right, right. So you're mentally fatigued, and did you have good like? Did you have enough nutrition throughout the day and water? Did you eat enough? I would I would say the nutrition was there. I just think what was lacking was like I don't know. It could be the fact that I had my head down all this time, yeah. so my muscles just became tight yeah. here. So when I'm in the gym and I'm doing my good form, yeah, that it just it was already working on. You yeah. know, and I felt for that whole day, just sitting with an upright posture, yeah. I was feeling a little bit of, of tightness. Were you sitting with upright posture? Or were you uh, for that day it was, but for a couple of days before that, it was constantly just my head down, kicking my right. neck, which is so bad. So you were already had fatigued shoulders. Right. From being, you had the kinked neck, your, your shoulders were compensating for it. You didn't sleep as good, so you were tired. Your energy stores weren't there. So all those factors led into you having less available energy. And earlier fatigue in your shoulders. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha. I, yeah. So I, I think we did a pretty like, broad job trying to cover all these main exercise aspects. There's a lot of things that we sidetracked and touched on, different energy systems, like muscle fiber types. And hopefully one day we'll get a chance to talk about it all. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's different components of strength and you just got to focus on which one it is important to you. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Chris, for explaining the exercises. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon.